The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, I don't know how it's going in the Northland in Kansas City or whatever it is that you live. <laughs> I'm, I'm forgetting, but the coffee is flowing <laughs> down here in, in, in the south part of Kansas City. Well, it is, it is the Northland. It is God's country, as we say That's up here. Right. Yes. Uh, north of the river is is God's country. I'm not, it's never been clear to me on why that distinction should be made by the big man, but that's what they say. I have never heard that before. And oh. now now that I know it, I, I do have to take a trip up to God's country at a, a certain point. Yeah. See what you guys got going, going on up there. <laughs> the Chiefs are coming off what was a just dominating win. It's a 41-31 win in, in Tampa Bay, but the score doesn't do it. It just right. the Chiefs just mm-hmm. dominated the game uh, all night long, and we'll be talking about that throughout the show. We are making a little bit of a change to the editor's show today. We're going to start instead with Chiefs head coach Andy Reid, who speaks after every game every Monday. If you want to listen to the full thing, you know you can right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network uh, by going to From the Podium. But we'll play some of the most important cuts from that interview and evaluate them here this morning. Our second segment will be marinated takeaways. So we're moving it up from segment three to segment two. If you're a fan of the editor show, you know that John and I can't help but talk about them as soon as possible, <laughs> even though the segment has not come up yet. So I figure let's change things around where we can talk about the most recent thing, which is last night's game pretty soon into the show. And then we'll finish up with the news roundup and cover some of the things that happened over the past week. I feel like John, that, that that's a better plan. I feel like that, uh, uh, we'll we'll flow a little bit better here on the editor's well, show. Well, we'll just have to see, won't we? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I guess if you like it, you can leave a five-star review. If you there don't you like go. it, you can leave yeah. a five-star review anyway, right? And tell us why you didn't like the new format of the show. But speaking of reviews, we have a couple in that we have to go oh, through first. Way. If you like the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, leave us a review. We will read it on the editor's show. This from Autobots Mister. He says, keeps getting better. <laughs> All the different shows are great. Show and BK is can't miss. Pete entering Show and BK with his theme song, like a WWE entrance last year, is maybe the best moment in podcasting history. I, 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 I don't know about that. But 
I mean, Aaron Rodgers did say on Pat McAfee's podcast that he used Hiawaka. How do I he used Hiawaka? I don't even know. Hiawaska, right? Isn't it Hiawaska? Well, I, anyway, yeah, I don't so, know what you're talking about, so I don't okay. know. Okay, never mind. Never mind that. We, we actually shouldn't even get into that anyway. All right, next review from Nate. Love the show and the mm-hmm's. Uh, so my question is based on the O. Remember the year Tyreek got hurt and McCole filled in the role for four games and had an abundance of big plays. Can we dial those back up? I know a lot goes into it besides just do this or that, but I'd love to see more of those shots with Hardman. Not a Hardman homer, but I really think he could be Deshaun Jackson Jr. for our offense. Um, and uh, he's disappointed that Andy Reid has not done more for him. Well, I got bad news, and you know we, we saw a little bit of it last night. I, I feel like Sky Moore might be getting some of those opportunities now, and McColl may be seeing his contract year pass before his eyes. John, do you have anything on that? Yeah, it was pretty disappointing last night to see him wide open in the end zone. I mean, that was the kind of thing that we used to spend a week diagramming uh, yeah. when Alex Smith was the quarterback. Interesting that it can happen to Patrick Mahomes too, isn't it? Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, you know, that's going to happen. And I think that part of the trouble is that he and Mahomes have never really developed the same chemistry this is all built on speculation and seeing you know Mahomes gesture wildly mm. at him when he's unable to connect with him on a route um and so it's largely speculative but it makes sense to me that um he's never really gotten the kind of chemistry with Mahomes that allows him to put him up the tree when he's going through his progressions I mean I may sure. be jumping the I might be jumping the gun here but he he this is it I mean, he's not going to yeah. be here next year. He's going to, yeah. the Chiefs don't value, it's so clear to me that the Chiefs don't value what he brings to the table enough to pay him what he is going to draw on the open market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you, I think you started to see Sky more last night, maybe get some of the opportunities that McColl got. And we don't really know. You're right. I don't know if there is a rhyme or reason other than it's like just never really clicked for Hardman with Pat. And mm-hmm. I don't, if it hasn't happened by now, what sort of tells you that it will? And, yeah. And so, well, he's it, been successful at certain things, you know, the jet sweeps and, you know, turn. certain kinds of plays where he is the yeah. guy on a particular play. They've been able to make that work. But if he's one of the guys on the route tree and Mahomes has to choose one of them, that's where he ends up getting the short stick. And I think, um, yeah, it's bad. I think, I think when Hardman was drafted, right, it was when Tyreek Hill was going through that that turmoil mm-hmm. off the field, and right. he was seen as potential replacement as a receiver. But I, I think you nailed it on the head with with the jet sweeps. His the best parts of his game is when he's in a, a return fashion, and as a returner, or when you know he's in the backfield and, and you're doing some of those orchestrated touches. It, it's like you're creating a a return scenario on the offense. And you're right. Mm-hmm. That's when he's most right. effective and look like some players are just returners. You know, I, he was drafted in the second round. I, I think there were higher hopes, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not seeing it at least with this team, maybe again, next year, 2023, he goes somewhere else and, and does have success uh, offensively. If there was ever a year that he was going to yeah. do it, it, it's when you get rid of Tyree kill and, and need that threat. And it hasn't happened for him four games. Right. Well, they also brought in a bunch of other people. You know, it wasn't presumed that he would be the guy to take Tyreek's place. They said, oh, we need to bring in these other people. And so they did. And now he's not managing to get up above them on the the totem pole. So, 
yeah, it's, I feel bad for the guy, you know, he's worked hard. Uh, he's given us some great moments as a chief, but they haven't been consistent enough for him to, you know, get matched up with Mahomes, how, whatever that is that's going mm. on there. It's not happening. The chemistry, the consistent chemistry. All yeah. right. Next review and final review. Best Chiefs podcast. Love this podcast. I really enjoy all of the shows every week at Arrowhead Pride. Steven Serta kills it. Pete and John keep it real. All the other guys do a great job as well. I like that we were all mentioned by name, those of us who work on this show, and the rest got all the other guys. I mean, <laughs> a little bit of a slight there, but uh, it is all Serta about get, us. Yeah. Right. Good for yeah. Serta uh, to get some some well-deserved love. We don't talk about Serta enough, but he's really revamped. This whole operation, people seem yes. to really like it. And, you know, behind the scenes, we won't go into details, but the numbers certainly reflect that uh, this is the best the podcast channel has ever been. So kudos to Steve for doing that. And speaking of Steve, he's working behind the scenes right now as we go through what is head coach Andy Reid's Monday afternoon press conference following what was a really nice win in Tampa Bay less than 24 hours ago. This this was a quick turnaround for everybody, including Andy Reid. And I think the biggest takeaway that a lot of Chiefs fans will have this morning talking at the proverbial water cooler so to speak is just how freaking nuts Patrick Mahomes is and Andy Reid spoke to that this morning tell you this Pete I mean it's uh, uh I, I talked to guys but just uh, like I mentioned last night just don't take it for granted I mean that's not these things are uh, they're special uh, some of these things we're seeing from him and so appreciate him, but um, it's, you know, it's unique. So enjoy every one of them, but it's, it's, uh, it's not something that a lot of people have the advantage, you know, that advantage of, of being a part of. So um, with that, I mean, that throw was incredible. The throw to Kelsey is the one that might get looked over a little bit down the middle of the field. I mean, that throw and that catch were ridiculous. Um, and there are a couple other ones in there that were really good. I mean, the, the one naked play where he kind of hung on to it on third down and threw it up to Juju. I mean, that was, that was another good one. So listen, I mean, he, he had a, he had a very good game and I, I know the stats show that and some of the things he's done historically, have, have, you know, uh, have, have made history and, and, uh, will continue to do that. But, uh, the best thing about him is he's always trying to get better, and that's what I appreciate the most, Pete. I mean, he's not sitting there, you know, patting his self on the back. He he keeps moving forward and wanting to get even better. It's a shame that he had an interception because last night otherwise was just a complete master class of the quarterback position and, and really a perfect example of how he's – really changed the game when it comes to quarterback play and what it means to be a quarterback. By the way, last night he reached 20,000 passing yards in 67 games. That's faster than anyone in history. You always have to mention that the game is a little bit more open for offense nowadays. But if you look at the course of history, it took Matt Stafford 71 games. He was next. Dan Marino, 73. Aaron Rodgers and Kurt Warner, 74. So Mahomes, Stafford, Marino, Rodgers, Warner, John, that, that's it's pretty good company for, for yeah. PM too. Yeah. Yeah. You can say that, you know, uh, Matt Stagner mentioned this in his, uh, winners and losers column this morning on arrowheadpride.com. And I think it bears repeating here. If you look at the box score last night, Mahomes numbers weren't all that impressive. 
Right. I mean, if that's the only exposure that you have to what happened in last night's game, I think uh, maybe Brady's stats might have been a little bit better, actually. I forgot to look at the end of the game, but I know at certain points during the game, Brady had a higher passer rating. And, you know, I think he threw for an awful lot of yards last night, too, trying to catch up. But it was watching the game where you were struck so much by how different Mahomes is than other quarterbacks. These these out of structure throws, that insane play, uh, the the pass to Edwards Alaire in the end zone. I mean, to me, one of the best plays Mahomes has ever made has been that run against the Ravens. Uh, at Arrowhead where he went down the sideline and then cut in and, you know, jumped over a guy and all that. I think that play was even better. And it's astonishing how often he continues to surprise us with something we haven't seen before. And that's just not on the box score. Right. And, and I, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, you could tell and, and, and not that Andy Reed doesn't ever stumble because there's occasions during press conferences he, he stumbles but with this particular question this morning it's like man Andy Reid has been in the league for 20 years as a head coach more than that when you talk about being an assistant coach is almost speechless if you really listen mm-hmm. to back to that like where yeah. he, he doesn't really really know what to say like and I, yeah. I think that's how he really captured that how how we all feel when we're watching Patrick Holmes play like this and look he's a human right he's lost games he he mm-hmm. didn't look during periods last year is good. He certainly didn't have the games he wanted in weeks two and three, but then you get a game like Sunday night where it's just so clear of how good he is and how fortunate we are in Kansas city to get to cover and watch this guy. And, and, and I think it was fitting some of the words that, that Andy Reid said, let's continue with Andy Reid's presser. And I was pretty clear last night to me that the chiefs have morphed into this running back by committee. Isaiah Pacheco was touching the football a lot more ESPN's Adam Teicher asked Andy Reid about the running back by committee this morning and how they figure out which running back goes at which time. Well, we're, we're getting to know number 10. I mean, he's uh, he's growing right before our eyes. So I we've spotted him in periodically just to uh, give him some experience and to see how he handled it. We know Clyde, can, you know, is good. One can play. I mean, they're the, these guys are they're all good. They're all talented. And so we're trying to, Greg does a good job of trying to work them in and in certain spots, but um, it, it's, it's a more of a learning experience with 10 and the more you see, the more you, you utilize him and Clyde on, on the first downs and you know, one on the third downs. I mean, he's, he does such a good job there. So I mean, that's kind of where we were last night. I think that was pretty obvious. You mentioned Pacheco. Um, what have you learned? You're saying you get to know him, getting to know him. What have you learned about him, say, since the regular season started? Yeah, so we in camp, you know, we saw, just like you did, we saw hard runner. Didn't necessarily, he was a hard runner. <laughs> he didn't necessarily have the field <laughs> for the play. He was going to just run. <clears throat> Every week he's gotten a little bit better at understanding the play and, and then running hard, setting up, then running hard and finishing it. <clears throat> and then learning the past game, and then most of all, learning the protections on top of all that. He's gotten better at all those things. And I, I would anticipate every week, you know, he'll he'll do even better. You saw he had a nice uh, blitz pickup during the game, and um, you know, so that's that's progress. That's that's a that's a good thing. The Chiefs really ran the the football well. I thought last night. If you look at the the rushing net, John, you know, we we were talking about how sometimes mm-hmm. stats don't dictate. What happened in the game, this one does. 
Chiefs ran the ball for 189 yards. The Buccaneers, and I'm not flinching, I'm not joking when I say this, had three rushing yards last night. That ties the Chiefs' defensive record at three yards rushing yards allowed. The last time that that happened was November of 1961. So the running back wow. by committee, <laughs> running back by committee, it, it was doing it last night, John. Pretty amazing. Um, pretty amazing. I, it struck me last night watching the game in the first half um, how Edwards Alaire and Pacheco were being used almost equally. There was a point right before halftime, I mentioned this in, in our little chat channel with the staff, uh, that at one point last night, just before halftime, they each had six carries and 41 yards. And, uh, you know, one more carry from one of them, they might have had the same numbers at the end of the game. I think they were eight and nine carries, and then the yardage totals were a little different. But they seemed really interchangeable uh, on Sunday night, going to your point about uh, the running back by committee. And uh, that's a great thing. Uh, you still get a little bit of change of pace, depending on which back is in there. And yet, uh, if one of them goes down, the other guy can do the same job. So it's uh, it's pretty pretty nice what they've got going here with these two guys. Yeah, and Clyde Edwards-Alaret, for a guy that <clears throat> did have a little bit of a struggle getting into the end zone, has had no problem this year, mm-hmm. be it running the ball or catching passes from Patrick Mahomes. I believe we're at five now, which is probably among the top in the NFL. I'd have to look that up, but uh, that's as good of a a year, I think, as Chiefs fans could ask. And we've been waiting for Clyde to sort of break out in that sense of being this guy who can run the ball and catch the ball, do it as a dual threat. Took a couple of years, it seems like, to click in, but you're finally seeing what the Chiefs Mm -hmm. saw in that final year at LSU. And, And should he stay healthy, he's really putting together a nice statistical year. Yeah, And uh, we'll see how, how Pacheco and McKinnon fit in. I have a further marinated takeaway coming up in our next segment. We're going to see. We don't have to wait till segment three. I can, I can get it next segment. <laughs> Speaking of the Chiefs playing a little bit better, the offensive line did not have a great game against the Indianapolis Colts. And there were some hints, I think, this week about the, the chatter in the offensive line room. We know what Shaq Barrett said and, and got on the radar. The Chiefs wouldn't really comment about that publicly. But if you look at Orlando Browns, Twitter account this morning uh, where he has a a gif of Rick James and saying, what did the five fingers say to the face? I I think, you know, that he knows what the Chiefs were able to accomplish (laughs) last night. And so Andy Reid was asked this morning about what some of the messaging was to the team, because the the Chiefs did say that Andy Reid called upon them to be better this week. They were. And so here's what Andy Reid had to say about the offensive line this morning. I don't think it's a secret, but we didn't we didn't do as well as we wanted to there um against the Colts I mean it just it wasn't the way that I wanted it I didn't handle it with the play calling the way I wanted it done and EB and I went through and talked about it and everybody needed to raise their game uh, the both of us and and the rest of the guys and so you know the challenge was out there for all of us to to step up but it always starts up front it always starts with the big guys you know, they inevitably they want they don't say much, but they want that responsibility. And we need to we need to pick our game up. And so uh, they did a nice job last night. There's plenty of room for improvement. But last night they did a nice job. They came out uh, with a purpose and and uh, a certain intensity level and their assignments were, were were pretty sound there. When Andy Reid goes to the podium after a loss, he's not blaming anyone. He always just takes takes the blame. 
However, <laughs> you could tell that this was was as far as the Chiefs will go. You know, they keep a lot of it in house, but this is as far as the Chiefs go to reveal like Andy pretty clearly went into Andy Heck's room, the offensive line coach, and said, "Guys, we need to pick this up." I mean, very clearly, mm-hmm. like it, it, to me at this point, and they did to their credit. They really played well last night. Yeah, a pretty substantial improvement to the naked eye and on the stat sheet and any other measure you want to use. I, I don't know anybody who didn't think the offensive line looked tons better, didn't look tons better on Sunday night than they did the week before in Indianapolis. And as Reed noted, it starts up front on both sides of the line. And um, when you've got the offensive line clicking, uh, good things tend to happen on offense. We learned that lesson with Dick Vermeil's team in the early 2000s and with Marty Schottenheimer's teams in the early 90s. And it's still true today, even though the game has changed a lot. You still have to have those guys playing at the top of the league to really have a good team. Yeah. And, and you know, Shaq Barrett essentially said this could be a coming out party for the Buccaneers defensive line. This felt like one of the best games of this unit. They were getting pushed, rushing the football. They were protecting Pat. Pat was able to slice and dice and be the magician that he is. And who knows, right? Like in the storyline, you're always looking for pageantry in the NFL where Shaq Barrett is like, yeah, this could be a coming out party for our D-line. Maybe this is finally the coming out party for Orlando Brown to play like the contract he deserves for that interior to continue doing what they're, they're doing. They're battling through some, some injuries. I know Trey Smith has been battling through an injury. Mitch Schwartz mentioned that on Twitter, Andrew Wiley rounds out the room and and the rest of the room really loves Andrew Wiley. Maybe this is their coming out party and, and what we can expect from the chiefs offensive line moving forward. If the offensive line plays like that, the chiefs offense is going to be the best in the league and defense um, on the other side is, is holding up their own too. just a, you know, just a world of difference between this week and last week when it comes to your feeling about the team, just because of how well they were able to play and, and look on the national stage Sunday night football in Tampa Bay. All right, let's go to the final quote. We'll play from Reed again. I, I say it all the time, but if you want to listen to the full press conference, you can it from the podium, but here's the last one we'll play on the editor's show. And this is a little bit more lighthearted, right? We'll end the segment with a, a lighthearted quote, Andy Reed. The new State Farm darling in that commercial with Patrick Mahomes, a, a really funny <laughs> commercial and a, a well-written script. And Andy Reid did a great job. I mean, I don't know how many takes it took, but it, it was it cracked me up. And I don't love every every commercial that comes out from State Farm. So here was the background story of Andy Reid and, and how he got involved with Patrick Mahomes and State Farm. Well, listen, um, Pat asked me if I would do it with him. And uh, <laughs> I'm not I told him I'm not very good at that stuff. As you guys, as you guys know, doing these things, but um, you know, listen, it, it was it was a fun thing. It, it was uh, it was good to see how people treat Pat. It was it was interesting for me to see how that production goes. He does a lot of these things, and and uh, it kind of gave me the inside scoop on it, literally, to be able to uh, see see what he has to go through to put all these together. And it's quite interesting. Great people involved there. I mean, they they obviously reached out and talked to me about it and knowing that I wasn't real comfortable doing those kind of things, but um, they made it as comfortable as possible. Believe it or not, John, I have two points on this. Number one. (laughs) So we live in in, in an NFL world where Russell Wilson can get unhappy and forces a trade to Denver where Tom Brady is so fed up with Bill Belichick and the show that he's running that he goes to Tampa Bay and, and calls a shot in making a move that he never wanted to, you never thought would happen in a million years. Tom Brady, right. mm-hmm. that's reality. Now, Aaron Rodgers was very, very close to either retiring 
or forcing his way out of Green Bay. They were able to figure it out, and it took a lot of zeros <laughs> to do so. You can eat, yeah. You, you can eat a lot of your pride if if there's enough zeros. I think we've seen that in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes goes up to Andy Reid, and we know this about Andy Reid. This this is a guy that does not want to be doing a funny commercial, right? Like we, I think we know that, <laughs> and because it's the quarterback, and because I think Andy Reid has a feel for relationship building and how much it might mean to him he says yeah how high how high do you want me to jump for you pat and this, this was out of character for Andy Reid, and it was yeah. hilarious and and funny and i think it was really interesting that he wanted to get to know pat and what he does in that process like getting to know the guy outside the field as as um as much as he wants to do it on the field and, and in the building and really cool of uh, Reed to to get out of his skin a little bit and, and go and do it and then the second thing i have and this is just a suggestion box thing <laughs> Pat Mahomes is is not only involved with State Farm, he's involved in Whataburger, Andy Reid, cheeseburger connoisseur. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm I telling you. Part, I think part two could be Andy Reid working up a, a Whataburger commercial. He he certainly has found a hidden talent that I think he probably didn't even think he had. Yeah, I, I have to say, um, watching him in the commercial, you could tell that he was a little uncomfortable about it, but he was game. <laughs> You know, he right. was game and he was going in there and uh, and trying to make it work. And in a way that made it even more charming to me was to, yeah. perhaps it, it it may have fallen flat with other NFL fans who recognized Andy Reid as the chief's head coach. But, uh, you know, to somebody who listens to him all the time, I just thought it was adorable. And the way he played the final punchline of the commercial I thought was hysterical. I I laughed for five minutes after the commercial finished playing the first time. Terry will attest to this. She heard me cackling here and here for a long time after the commercial was over. And I was just going, oh, my God, that was hilarious. I just I just loved it. And I and I think you're exactly right. This is Andy's way of closing things up with his quarterback. And understanding him better and, you know, having a more open communication with him. You got to love that in a head coach when he's got a generational talent like Patrick Mahomes playing for him, that he wants to have all of those channels completely wide open and he's willing to, to do something like this, which is really way outside of his country comfort zone. But hats off to the guy because he really made it. He really made it work. I will I will reveal that the the offensive line of the Chiefs played so well that they ruined a Twitter joke that I was going to have because if they were having another tough game I was going to take a screenshot of whoever it was that Andy Reid was drawing that mustache on the actor that was supposedly on the Chiefs team and I was going to say can this guy play right tackle or whatever it is but hey the Chiefs O line played out of, out of my, yeah. my Twitter joke so, so yeah. kudos to them all right so that is Andy Reid I'll say it one more time go to from the podium if you want to listen to the the full version of that. Uh, but those are, are our biggest takeaways from Andy Reid's Monday afternoon press conference. When we come back for the first time on segment two, it'll be marinated takeaways. Stay with us. Well, I'm going to let this marinate, you know, let that one marinate and then we can circle back. Adapt, react, readapt. Takes time. Takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. And man, you hear that open. 
you know what it's time it is for. It's time for the world famous marinated takeaways from that 41 to 31. Sweet Sunday night football win for your Kansas City Chiefs over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, getting some of that revenge for what was a tough, tough Super Bowl to swallow. It doesn't make up for it completely, but at least uh, I think you, you get a win in Tampa. Patrick Holmes said after the game that it was important for him to feel like he could win there. It, it, he felt like it maybe it might have been like a house of horrors, so to speak, and shakes that off a little bit, John. Uh, you always start us here with marinated takeaways. What was your initial takeaway from this 41 to 31 win? Well, I'd just like to once again point out, um, I, I know, you know, we're Chiefs fans. We have a Chiefs perspective and everything about every game is always the Chiefs perspective. You know, the offense played good. The defense was terrible, but it's always important to remember that the other guys get paid too. They are also on scholarship, as Marty used to say all the time he said it all the time and the reason for that is that it it matters tampa bay is a good football team i don't care that their record was two and one the chiefs are a good football team and their record was also two and one so i think you have to you know factor that in not only to into how well the offense did but how many points the defense gave up i think this morning there's some people saying well you know the defense gave up a lot of points. Well, yeah, they gave them up to Tom Brady, who was trying to come back, you know, in the second half. And that's a guy that really knows how to do that, no matter which team he's playing for. So I think it's important as we evaluate what took place in this game is that the Buccaneers are a good team. And the Chiefs uh, beat them in a game where uh, the score didn't really recognize what happened in the game. They really dominated this game. Yeah, I think they set the tone early, and I think sometimes when it gets out of hand so fast, you you blinked in this game. The Chiefs were up twenty one three. That's what you mm-hmm. want to see every yeah. every week. All right. of a sudden, that's going to make the Buccaneers go pass heavy. You know that part of it played into why they only rushed the ball for for three yards. And like, I'll give you an example on one of the Mike Evans touchdowns. Jalen Watson was blanketing him. Mike Evans is a potential pro football. Hall. He doesn't get the credit he deserves, but he's a potential pro football hall of fame wide receiver. That's still, that's playing. I mean, he has a thousand yards every year. Right. And so you can cover him as great as you possibly can. And he could still score a touchdown. So I think some of that played into it. The Buccaneers have really talented receivers. I mean, you, you, Cameron Bright played well, but Chris Godwin is also on this team in, in his return. Good to see him get up after he's been dealing with injury after injury. So good to right. see Chris Godwin mm-hmm. get up. Yep. Cole Beasley, um, probably pretty underrated still. He's still getting acclimated to the Bucks. But what I'm saying is in a game that sort of goes sideways where you didn't expect and the score ends up changing the game planning, a, a lot of times you got to throw out the score. And I was going to say a different marinated takeaway first, but I had a, a point on the defense. It's this Chiefs defense, as good as the offense has played last night, it's this Chiefs defense that is suddenly making me feel like this is a legit Super Bowl team mm-hmm. again for the fifth year in a row. It's the most consistent unit on the team. I, I understand you're probably some of you are probably out there, as, as John was saying in, in our comments and, and listening to this and being like, yeah, they gave up 31 points. Right. But I, I, you know, I just explained this is Tom Brady, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Like that, right. that can happen. They gave up less points than the Chiefs were able to score. They gave them a chance to win. And there were some really good things in this game, like Legereus Sneed and that sack and really, I think, baiting Tom Brady into 
seeming like he was invisible. Tom Brady never even looked at Jerry Seen. You know how rare it is for Tom Brady not to know what you're mm-hmm. out there and, and yeah. you and not to be aware that you're even coming. He had no idea Jerry Seen was there. And that that play changed the game. And I think about the pressure they're getting on opposing quarterbacks, both in when they do these timely blitzes and when they don't, and the way that George Karloftis is playing and the way that Chris Jones wish he wishes he could have whatever he said to Matt Ryan back. But it, other than that, it has been a dominating year for Chris Jones when it comes to pressure and, and um, making the other offensive line and then the quarterback uh, uncomfortable. And I, I think about this unit and I think about that, the way they're playing now. And then I think about this, Trent McTuffie's not on the field. Mike Dana's missed a few games here. And Mike Dana, if you really look at the PFF numbers, he's been getting a lot of pressure in opposing opposing quarterbacks and as real was really having, you know, talk about underrated, a really underrated season before he he did hurt his calf. So you're getting Trent McDuffie, Mike Dana back, and then in three games you get Willie Gay Jr. back, who a lot of people might say is the most important slash best defender the Chiefs have. So this is a unit that's already playing like a top 10 unit, in my opinion, without these guys, you put these guys out there. Are they top five? Like, are we going to be thinking the chiefs could have the best defense in the league at a certain point? I, I don't, I'm not guaranteeing that. And I'm not saying that I think that's going to happen, but to at this point feel like that's a possibility. When's the last time you felt like the chiefs defense could be the number one unit in the league and you combine that with what Patrick Mahomes is doing and the way the offensive line played man it's it sucks that the playoffs don't start tomorrow John well my marinated takeaway led to one of yours and now you've led me to one of mine I was going to say what is this defense going to look like when McDuffie is back right and uh, you know when all these players are back you've that was exactly what I was going to bring up um you know they are performing very well without these guys uh, you know, how much is the pass rush going to be different when McDuffie is back there and there's a, a pass receiver out there that the quarterback is going to ignore? We know that when the secondary plays better, that the pass rush improves. This is just a fact. And uh, so getting McDuffie out there, getting back to our, our starting player uh, who was was really shutting players down and in, in what few snaps he had, before he was injured um, and and did in the preseason as well. I'm just real interested to see what this defense is going to look like when he's back there and when these other players back there are back there too. I, I think that's a good point um, about Willie Gay Jr. too. So uh, you've taken me right to the point that I wanted to make about the defense. Okay, excellent. So we, we in our first segment, two marinated takeaways, we're flowing like water. <laughs> this, the water is coming out and we don't need the plumber. It, it is just the flow is, is going so well. And we're, we're excited about that. I want to get to my next marinated takeaway. And I, I, I'm, I'm thinking this is going to be a little bit unpopular with some people. And then other people are going to like it. Very polarizing marinated takeaway. Oh, well, here we go. Clyde edwards to me is having an excellent year and is doing everything you asked of him. And he deserves to be touching the football each and every game. We talked about the running back committee and how it's really working in segment one. I think Isaiah Pacheco might be the best early down back on the team. And I think he might deserve to touch the ball first and have Clyde Edwards, Elair be your change of pace. And that's hard to say and, and feel like you're not trying to take a side in and what is a CEH versus Pacheco take. And maybe I like Pacheco more. No, I think, I think that we get caught up on this in, in the Twitter world. And I think we get caught up on it in, in the comments of like, you got to like one guy or the other. 
No, I mean, I could tell you that I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is having a fantastic year and has become a really reliable back for the Chiefs. And I, I think he deserves to be touching the football you know, 10 times a game. I think Isaiah Pacheco is the best north and south early down running back on the Chiefs. So, you know, you're talking about first and 10 on the first drive. That's what I'm talking about. I think it should be Isaiah Pacheco. I think he runs harder than anyone else on the team. And I think you saw that for the first time last night. And, and you could tell in Andy Reid's words from our, our first segment that I, I think they're starting to feel that, that way too. And I, I guess my greater point, and, and I'll reiterate, I, I've already said it a little bit, but you can say both, right? Like I, that, that's what I think. It's not really I'm choosing Pacheco over CEH. I just think maybe the roles could stand to be shifted here. And it remains to be seen what the Chiefs do in that sense. Andy Reid typically will roll with the veterans and the rookie really has to press. But what I would argue is I, I think he was really pressing that competition last night and an internal competition does breed excellence. And again, I, that's my takeaway. I just, man, Pacheco looked good last night. And I think at, at a certain point, it's going to be hard to ignore that. Well, I agree. Um, just certainly on the basis of how he performed, uh, obviously he was on par with Edward Zolaire. We've already, We've already talked about that. You know, I right. mentioned that the statistically they were uh, on par last night going into halftime and they stayed that way through most of the game. So you're not wrong. And you're also not wrong that Andy Reid will tend to go with the veteran in this situation. And although Reid made it clear today when he, we mm -hmm. listened to his comment in the last segment that um, uh, that Pacheco has made strides, he's still not all the way there. Right. And I think this year, Edward Zelaire is still going to have the edge to be the first down guy. Um, I understand your point, and I, and I don't think it's wrong. I just think that that's not how it's going to play out because at the end of the day, there all of a sudden I'm Eric B. Enemy. At the end of the day, uh, the Chiefs are going to tend to lean towards a guy who has more experience in the system. And particularly since he's now starting to be effective, uh, Edward Zilaire is going to be that guy. So All right. I, I, John, I don't disagree me... with you, but I think it's not going to play out that way. Let me challenge you here for a second then. Okay. Do the Chiefs pick up the fifth-year option ahead of next year? Yeah, well, that makes that discussion very interesting, doesn't it? Right. Because if, if Pacheco has really come along, uh, then do you do that or not? Now, I think that will, to some extent, depend on the kind of year that Edward Zerlayer has. I think the last time I checked, he was on pace for 1,600 yards from scrimmage, which would be an excellent performance Absolutely. for an NFL uh, running back. There's no doubt about that. And, and of course, much better than he did <laughs> by a substantial percentage in either of the last two seasons. Um, and at that point, you know, I think you can justify picking up that fifth-year option. If that's how the year plays out, and then the question becomes, do you want to hang on to this one-two punch? And I wouldn't be a bit surprised if the Chiefs want to do that, um, to to have on, you know, have that pair of running backs together because obviously it works. Right. You know, I, and, and you've got the injury backup and, and all that. I, I, but it does it is it's going to make that conversation very interesting. About the you, fifth year option, you 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 got to start to ask yourself, just in general, about the position because 
the hard part for running backs is it, it's a very replaceable position. Mm-hmm. Like Isaiah Pacheco well, was drafted in the seventh round. James yeah. Robinson of the Jaguars, who has been excellent for them, was undrafted. So you're asking yourself the question, like, in his fourth season, or I guess this would be Edward Ziegler's third season, how much yardage would he have to put up to make it reasonable to take the 50-year option? And you said 1,600 yards. I mean, I almost think it would need to be closer to 2,000 for you to be like, this well, guy is yeah. irreplaceable, you know? And that, Yeah, that's we can what, have that argument, sure. Yeah, that's what's strange about it. And I don't know. I mean, that that's a problem for another day, certainly. But I, I think in this conversation, it it is it is relevant to remember like the chiefs are going to have to make that call ahead of the fourth year. Not, not after. Right. So you don't, you don't really know. We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. That's well, right. And, and, and if it wasn't for the fact that he was taken in the first round, right. A lot of people who are down on Edward Zillaire would not be down on Edward Zillaire. A lot of it. I think people are talking themselves into positions because they've been ticked off about drafting a running (laughs) back in the first round since the moment it happened. Yeah. And I think that's unfortunate, but it, you know, we wouldn't even be talking about the fifth year option if he wasn't a first round running back. And that's part of the reason that they did it. You know, you almost, if, you almost yeah. wish the chiefs, uh, you know, if, if hindsight, of course, is 2020, right. But you almost wish the chiefs just would have taken Willie gay because then you would have slammed that fifth year option button as opposed to, right. you know, having, mm-hmm. you know, well, if in the second round you don't get, you don't even get that option. So I don't know. There's a lot of layers to that conversation, John. All yes, right, let's there continue are. With, I, with your final marinated takeaway. Yeah, I, I'd just like to to rant a little bit about uh, another. Uh, this is two rants in a row for you. Yeah, yeah I know. I just want to rant a little bit about uh, people's opposition to the prevent defense, um, mm-hmm. which is a long-standing thing among NFL fans. I know that the prevent defense only prevents you from winning. Yes, I've heard that. I've heard that. Okay, but I think yesterday was an example. <laughs> Of precisely why you do it, because you can't get in a position where you allow a quarterback like Tom Brady to get a quick score on you when you have a big lead in a game. So you put your players back, you play them deep so that the play is always in front of them and they don't give up that huge play that goes, you know, 70 yards for a touchdown and they've got a minute and a half drive and then you know, you're they that that puts pressure on the Chiefs to immediately score again. Right. And look what happened. You know, yesterday they they scored qu- fairly quickly because uh, Mahomes gave up that interception, giving them a 35 yard field to work with. What did they do? They scored right away. And all of a sudden, we're worried about the you know Brady leading a comeback and taking the game away from Kansas City. But this is precisely why you. I hate to use this expression, take your foot off the gas on the defense when you have a big lead, because statistically, in terms of probability, it always works better to trade yards for time. That's what you're doing. Time is your friend when you have a big lead in an NFL game. If you can figure out ways for the time to disappear more easily, you're halfway to victory. And that's exactly what the prevent defense is supposed to do to trade yards and possibly some points for time just so that the other team can't score quickly and erase that big lead you've built up. Yeah. That, that's why the whole end of the game and like even in the third quarter, it just felt meaningless because the chiefs were in control, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. uh, so to speak 
uh, of the game. And that was something I, I, I thought last night too, after the game, I, I think there's a lot of times when, especially when the chiefs are playing good teams that they don't keep control of the game for as long as they did last night. That, it was really right. refreshing mm-hmm. for like, yes, they, they, they usually let a team back in and like, you're like nervously like, Oh no, the point, the lead is only down to three. Are they going to give them the ball back? And a lot of times they do. And then it's like up to the defense. And then the Chiefs squeak one out. Like, last night they were just in control. And yes, the Buccaneers, continues to score. They do have Tom Brady. They do have Mike Evans. Leonard Fournette mm-hmm. finally turned it right. on toward the middle of the game and in the receiving game. And so I, I'm i with you. I, I think to see them control the game for all four quarters was very refreshing. And a big part of that was, man, you blinked, and a couple minutes into the second quarter, you were up 21-3. Mm-hmm. At that point, it's sort of about cruise control of the game, right? Like, okay... Let's continue to try to score here, but time off the clock while you're you're winning by 18 points is a is a good thing, and and that goes into the beauty of football, and that goes into beyond the box score and, and whatnot, and, and getting into those types of conversations. My final merit to take away, and we don't have to beat this up because I I, I sort of stepped on it in the first segment, even though I thought this would solve the problem. But I <laughs> uh, um, test wise, Patrick Mahomes is the best football player of all time. I I. I just, you know, you, it's not something that is there statistically yet because he's not a 45-year-old playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. On sure, the yeah. Team, but mm-hmm. you can just see it. You can just see it. And I'm hoping for his sake that the accolades catch up over time. We uh, or learned this week as we were getting ready for Tom Brady that Mahomes, and, and he said this before, but he's open to playing potentially into what will be his mid-40s, which would buy him another 19 years to try to get what would be, I guess, six more Super Bowls or at least close I think reasonably, even if he never got to seven, if Mahomes, I know we're talking about Super Bowls, like they're so easy to get, but if he can get to like four or five, <laughs> I still think that he could be considered potentially the great one of the greatest NFL players of all time. I, I think about Kobe Bryant, who's a lot of people feel like is the best, even though he doesn't tie Jordan or LeBron James, who mm-hmm. I believe is a couple right. mm-hmm. short of Jordan. They feel that LeBron is the best player of all time. I think Mahomes enters that conversation, but he probably needs four Super Bowls. Um, and it's not easy to do. Uh, I'm, I'm admitting that right now. I mean, we've seen how hard it is for the Chiefs to get back when they won in 19. We were like, this is going to be every year. They might win three in a row. Like, it's hard. It's yeah, really, no. really hard to do. And it, and there's a lot of factors that the quarterback can't control. I mean, it, it is a, the ultimate team game. But you just see, and and going back to that first segment, like with Andy Reid and, and sort of being speechless, like, man, he's the best. He's the best football player ever. It's and it's it's a treat to be able to watch that and for a city and a franchise to to go thirty years without somebody that was really their own, and uh, to have a guy like this who is in that conversation and for Kansas City to to really I think own that because he he didn't come from some other team. He didn't get drafted by anybody mm-hmm. else. There is the whole story about Brett Veach when he was under John Dorsey crunching film and just was relentless and just not shutting up essentially and, and saying, look, please, 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 please. And orchestrating the trade and wanting Mahomes' representation to get behind it and convincing John Dorsey. And then John Dorsey having to really work his expertise and making sure the trade got done. I've always been in support of it is Dorsey's pick, but everyone had a real big hand in it. And and for Kansas city to own that greatness is, is such a special thing. And, you know, he's played for five years now, but we're still in the, in the early stages for this, if, if he were mm-hmm. to stay healthy and, and yeah. play it till 45. So I don't know. I, 
I think you see a game last night, and it's just a really cool thing to have here. Um, I've always thought it was interesting that if there was one team, perhaps aside from the Cleveland Browns, um, that had been identified as, you know, being in a quarterback drought for a long period of time, it was the Chiefs. Right. Um, you know, it was a very, very long time that they they hadn't taken made a serious move to get a quarterback. Um, and and I and it was something that fans of other teams noticed and they could quote chapter and verse on it, you know, that, oh, yeah, well, you know, they could have had Dan Marino or they could have had. But instead they got Todd Blackledge, you know, other fans knew that stuff. And I think it's so interesting that after that occurred over such a long period of time that we get Patrick Mahomes. And I, you know, this guy, I agree. He's the best football player on the planet. Mm -hmm. There's just no other way to put it. After you watch a game last night, what else could he be? And um, I think it's amazing that after such a long drought, that the first time they really make a move to get a franchise quarterback, you know, they hit the jackpot. It's amazing to me. And that to me is one of the most interesting things about this, you know, um, you know, yesterday I felt like the football gods came back and balanced the books after that um, special teams blunder in the Indianapolis mm -hmm. game that we got one back. And I think we're finally getting the books evened in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. Okay. After a really positive marijuana to take away, I have a, a bonus negative one. Man, oh, if, Matthew, well. if Matthew Wright was playing last week, the Chiefs might be undefeated. I mean, that, that's reality. Yeah, that's that's right. This replacement kicker was the real deal, and the Chiefs made the wrong call with Matt Amendola. You know, you hope he gets another opportunity, but Matthew Wright was well, nails last night. Yeah, he was, but, you know, that could have been true of Amendola as well. I know there are people who are after the fact saying, oh, my God, he's a, he's a, yeah. a, he's a problem. He was never any good. He was a choke artist. Well, nobody <laughs> was saying that after the first game that he was the, the place right. kicker. Right. You know, right. and, yes, he was terrible. Uh, for the Chiefs in Indianapolis. But that's, you know, that could happen with Wright next week. There's sure. a reason why he was out of a job. And so this is, you know, that's the the dice that you're rolling every week that Harrison Butker is not out there. So we, well, we just have to remember that. Yeah, Let's hope yeah. he's more Mr. Wright than Mr. Wright now, is what you're right. saying. You that's know correct. Saying? Yeah. Looks mm -hmm. like Harrison Butker will be back next week. I think he was close to playing in this game. Chiefs will get an extra day sure. off because yeah. of Monday Night Football. So we tend to think he will be back next week yeah. anyway. Uh, but good for Matt Wright. I, I, yeah. Matt Wright put in a performance where the next time a, an organization has some kicker issues, maybe yes. you, you see him pop up. So yes, sir. Good, good on that yeah. for him. All right. Those are your marinated takeaways from the Chiefs 41-31 Sunday Night Football victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When we come back, we will review Week in Chiefs news, everything you need to know. You're listening to the Airhead Pride Editor's Show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, John, we had a lot to say today. We, we've, we've gone a little bit long. <laughs> maybe, maybe having marinated takeaways a little earlier gave us some more juice, and we, we talked a little bit longer. So we're going to try to, in a sense, fly through these news stories in, a, in about 10, 12 minutes' time so we can get you out of here um, by the hour. But first things first, good to know if you're a Chiefs fan. So we had Lucas Niang on the PUP that lasted through training camp on, at, onto the 53-man roster deadline, which means he was out for the first four games offensive lineman for the Chiefs. He's now eligible to return to the lineup, as is Blake Bell, who made the initial 53, and the Chiefs placed injured reserve. Andy Reid didn't have an update, uh, as to be expected. <laughs> I didn't think he was going to really tell us anything, but you have to ask the question anyway. Kudos to friend of the site, Herbie Teopia, the uh, Kansas City star, for asking Andy Reid about Blake Bell. Um, but they're eligible now. I don't know if you would bring Niang back because he can stay in the, the PUP longer. Because uh, I don't know if he would play. And so you might as well keep that guy in uh, in the mix, sort of, so to speak. If, and if he's not ready or needs some more seasoning, you, you hold him back and you don't have to figure out the, the roster crunch. The Chiefs have already been crunching the roster with this Elijah Lee business. And I'm not sure if Blake Bell having surgery four weeks later is going to be completely ready to come back. But you saw in this game, this was a really funny circumstance. I, I, the Chiefs were struggling on short yardage early in the game, and I tweeted out, man, they really missed the Blake Bell tight end sneak. A couple plays later, no Gray comes in, and, and Patrick Mahomes is distracting the Tampa Bay Bucs. No yeah. Gray, no Gray is able to pull off the, the, the Blake Bell sneak. I know a lot of you tweeted at me, the Gray dozer, uh, which I don't even know if that makes sense, but what a <laughs> moment there for Kansas City. Um, Long story short, we'll see on Niang and Bell. My gut feel is it won't be this week that, that the Chiefs go and activate them. I do think it, that we already mentioned Butker has a good chance. I do think Mike Dana also who got logged some limited practices at the end of last week has a, has a decent chance to make his return to the lineup as well. So that, so you, the Chiefs are getting some reinforcements potentially here. Gray dozer. I love that. I just love that. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for bringing that up. I hadn't caught that. So uh, that'll give me a smile for later on today while I'm still laughing about Andy Reid's commercial. I can laugh. You, about you're that. just a happy guy today. I mean, I, I am. Could, I could tell I you got an extra, you got an extra, yeah. I would say pep in your step, but you're seated right now. I'm looking at you and you're sitting down. So uh, any, anything <laughs> from you on these reinforcements? Coming no, down? I think, I think you've got that. I think you've got that, that knocked. Well, we were, I was amused when you were asking about, uh, talk, you asked me about this earlier. It's like, okay, we can, these guys would be eligible. I said, yeah, right. He said, oh, well, you, I think I'm going to ask about it. And I thought, well, we know what Andy's going to say. You know so, what? Thankfully, the, thankfully it's true. There are, a question. You didn't have to. <laughs> there are certain, yeah, there are certain questions. I mean, I, I'm almost 10 years doing this now with Andy. There are certain questions like, do you just have to ask? Because sure. Yeah. Hopefully he'll say something and you kind of know that your efforts yeah. are going to be futile, but you, you <laughs> have to, you have to ask the question. I'm glad, thankfully Herbie was able to burn that one. I was able to ask something yeah. else. 
Um, and you had a good question there too, I should say. I, oh, thank I, I thought, you. Yeah, it was a good question and you got a good answer out of it. Moving on to the next story, the mystery of what Chris Jones said lives. Really looking forward to the Chris Jones documentary at the end of his career so we can find <laughs> out what the hell he said to Matt Ryan. But I, I don't know. I'm tending to think it won't be until at the earliest after this season and at the latest after his career. I think one day we will find out what Chris Jones said, but I don't think it's anytime soon. So no one was willing to say Frank jo- or Frank Frank Jones. Frank Clark had yeah. an hysterical press conference. I mean, it was you, funny. Yeah. He's talking about laughing. If you want to enjoy a really memorable, funny press conference from a guy who's been a little polarizing in Kansas City, to be fair, but you can go back to that from the podium probably you know, with all the podcasts we do nowadays with Steve. It's probably a, a few down there. You might have to scroll quite a bit, but listen to the Frank Clark press conference, really discussing what Chris Jones might, might have said. My favorite moment in that, John, was when – he said, I maybe know what he said. I maybe don't know what he said. <laughs> <You> know, just, <laughs> well, almost, nobody almost says a comedian. That, that, that nobody who says that doesn't know. I mean, would you say that? That's what 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 I thought when yeah, I Frank, Frank, Frank Clark knows, which means that Chris Jones didn't forget. He knows, too. But right. Well, I right. don't think I don't think where I'm going to know, which, which yeah. bums all of us out. So so we're never going to know until no. Chris Jones tells us when he writes his book. Mm-hmm. how much what he said mm-hmm. but we do know how much what he said is worth about ten thousand nine hundred dollars which is how much he got fined by the league for for that incident so although we don't know what we don't know what it was we know what it costs and i suppose that's going to have to be enough for a while speaking of like nine thousand dollars chris if you ever need a co-writer for your your book at the end of your career <laughs> i think i could stand to make a little bit more than that i'm helping you out with that all right, Andy Reid said uh, he made the call to bleed clock into the half. Um, remember, Eric Bieniemy was trying to catch, calm Patrick Mahomes down, who wanted to continue to go for it against Indianapolis, and uh, big deal in Kansas City because it, it did look like some of those Eric Bieniemy, Patrick Mahomes things were resurfacing. You know, I said after this, I was like, if the Chiefs can just get back to winning, everyone's going to forget about this in a week, and I do not think it's the storyline anymore because the Chiefs won. Now, had they lost to the Buccaneers, maybe. It persists, mm-hmm. but yeah. and whenever you have these internal things that are you know a little dicey with the team or you're, you're butting heads or whatever like that, what's the magic ingredient to get rid of it? It's winning. Mm-hmm. And when the Chiefs start winning and look like they did last night, no one is going to be discussing who's calling the players or what. You're just going to be celebrating the victory, and, and that kind of seems what happens. So so as long as they keep up the winning ways, I don't I don't think this is a storyline. You know, I, I do still feel like this is the last year of Eric the enemy in, in Kansas city, but who knows, right? I could be wrong about that. It remains to be seen. I wonder if, uh, if that carried through in his conversations with the team, did he go into the offensive line room and say, guys, I can't stand another question about the conversation <laughs> between Mahomes and the enemy. You guys yeah. have to play better so we can win. And I don't have to have those questions anymore. Right. I, yeah. I, I'd make me play for him. I would. Think. Yeah. I, I like EB and I hope he gets a head coaching opportunity. It's, I, I mean, we've talked about this a million times, but it's well overdue and that would be the perfect solution to all these potential issues that maybe the Chiefs have had or yeah. not had or whatever. But anyway, we've talked about that ad nauseum. The Chiefs made two more roster moves on Wednesday. Nazi Johnson uh, is now a member of the active roster. Elijah Lee received an, he was cut and then he received a new contract on the practice squad, which and these rules are a little gray, right, John? But it the, that puts three more call-ups in his bank right Uh, yes i believe so yeah i mean it doesn't it doesn't specify that in the rules 
Right. But I think that's the way the Chiefs are interpreting it, that uh, that this means they can call him up three times. I mean, it's, it, be, it honestly should not be allowed. Like, the, if yeah. that's the case, the Chiefs have found this loophole because this is the key of it. This is this is inside football. So if you're a diehard, right. you appreciate right. this. But like the Chiefs have found this thing where Elijah Lee, because he's a vested veteran, is not subject to waivers. So even if there was a team that like liked the way he played on Sunday, if they release him, he just is a free agent. So they can have this off the record kind of conversation that like Lee says like, yeah, you can cut me, but I'll, I'll join the practice squad and be called up every week. I mean, he's been up and down on the practice squad and active roster and, and this and that, and he's played in every game. So the chiefs have, have found a way well, yeah, to have but, a 54 man roster essentially. But part of that is that we're talking about a Kansas city native too. Right. 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 I mean, this is, this is part of the equation here is that not only is a guy, is he a guy, who plays very well on special teams. It was Elijah Lee who recovered that fumble yep. on the opening we'll kickoff yesterday, forced by Jack Cochran, but recovered by Elijah Lee. This is not only a guy who fills a, a role that the Chiefs want to have, want and need to have filled. He's also a Kansas City native and is therefore motivated to continue playing with Kansas City for whatever they are willing to pay him. So, uh, you know, it's not like you can just go out and do this. The circumstances have to line up the right way for it all to work. But in this particular case, it's all lined up that way. So the chiefs can, uh, can get an extra guy on the roster, essentially kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, good for the chiefs for figuring that out. It, it does provide you a little bit of an advantage by having essentially an additional roster spot. Uh, Tommy Townsend was named the special teams player of the month in the AFC for the month of September at 11 punts, a 55.6 punt average and a long of 74. So in an interesting month for the Chiefs and special teams, they somehow nab (laughs) special teams player of the month. Tommy Townsend has been in the zone uh, this year. uh, And when the Chiefs have needed him, he's he's been able to flip the field. So, yes, he has. Congratulations to him on that. And then finally, the Chiefs open as six-and-a-half-point favorites over the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday Night Football. John, do you think that is too much, too little, just right? Oh, I think it's uh, it's probably just right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's going to move depending on you know how the money goes. That's how this works. It's all about getting an equal amount of money on both sides of the wager so that the casinos make money no matter who wins the game. Uh, but I don't think it's it's way off base. I've looked up some stats last night uh, since Patrick Mahomes has been the starter. The chiefs have outscored the Raiders 299 to 149 mm. in, in uh, eight games and won seven of those games, five of those games. Uh, the Chiefs scored 40 points or more. So, you know, maybe it's a little, maybe it's a little low. <laughs> But we'll yeah. see. they I, did actually all win a game uh, at Arrowhead Stadium a couple of years ago and, you know, took that bus ride around the stadium. But, um, yeah, this one, this this is a game the Chiefs <laughs> should be able to handle. The parody in the NFL has been killing me from a betting standpoint. Of course, as soon as it's legal, a couple blocks away from my house uh, that, uh, you know, I, the NFL goes topsy-turvy and it's hard to predict anything. This feels low to me. I don't know. The Raiders are one and three. They're a little bit in desperation mode and the division is always interesting. So. I tend to like the underdog usually in, in division games, you know, yeah. period. But man, the Chiefs were clicking last last night and, and Max Crosby has had a, a a tough time with Andrew Wiley, oddly enough, over the years. And so I, I don't know. I, I tend to think that even with the addition of Devontae Adams, the Chiefs should still 
have this game in hand, especially if they play on both sides of the football like they did last night. But I've been wrong about sports bets uh, this year, not having as good of a year <laughs> on the tally site uh, thing as I as I did last year. So we shall see how this game goes. But again, the Chiefs open at six and a half point favorites over the Las Vegas Raiders for Monday Night Football at Arrowhead Stadium. Should be fun. Should be a fun week as we get ready for this game. We'll keep you updated at ArrowheadPride.com. If you like the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, please leave us a rating and a review. Every rating and review we will read right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Keep it locked in all week. We'll have content coming at you all week week long. For John Dixon and Steve Serta, my name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.